BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, it's the Bauer and Rose Show. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. You can catch us on our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, hosted by our friends at justthenews.com. Gary, um, I'm back in Israel. I know we spoke for a couple of weeks when I was here. I came home. I did my laundry. I took a shower. I shaved. Now I'm back. I just want to start by saying this, um, and I watch our good friends at Fox News, and they're all good friends. After this unprecedented jihadist pogromist massacre, I hear a lot of our experts trying to explain why Hamas seems to have adopted ISIS tactics. And <laughs> I, I got news for you. This, this wasn't about sabotaging Israel's talks with Saudi Arabia. It wasn't a small attack that turned into a large attack when Israel failed to respond. And lots of our friends are asking the question, I saw this too many times to want to repeat, what could Hamas possibly hope to gain from such an attack? Well, wrong. Let me make a wild guess. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And wrong again. They're wrong because they don't understand Hamas. They've never understood Hamas. And their normal and decent brains with their good moral standing, doesn't enable them to understand Hamas. Hamas, like the PLO, like other Islamist terror groups, they do exactly and precisely what they promise to do. They promise to destroy Israel. They promise to invade Israel. They promise to steal territory. They promise to murder Jews in our streets and in our homes and in our beds. It promises to rape our women. It promises to murder children in front of their parents and their parents in front of their children, the old, the young, the strong, the weak. It promises to murder babies, infants, newborns. It promises to dismember the bodies of dead Jews and drag them through the throngs of celebrants in their dens of evil. And it promises to keep doing this until this land is purged through blood and fire of every last living Jew. That's Hamas. That's the PIJ, the Palestinian, whatever, the Islamic Jihad. That's Hezbollah. That's the PLO. That is Iran. That is radical Islamism. Period. The end. The rest of the show is yours, Gary Lee Bauer. Um. Well, I agree, Tom, obviously, you know, uh, but but this has been going on, this mindset, it, it's been going on forever, right? It It's the aftermath of, in, in the aftermath of 9-11, um, when, if anything, uh, uh, Muslim leaders in the United States should have felt an obligation to publicly reassure us that the people that did that horror to us on 9-11 were not them, that that they that, that the people that killed us represented uh, an extreme faction, but that American Muslims to a person loved our country and would stand with America, et cetera. What happened was that George W. Bush felt compelled with many cameras along to go to a mosque in Washington, D.C., take his shoes off at the door and walk in to assure the Islamic world that America was not at war with them. I mean, it is the, this is this death wish uh, that that uh, we've talked about this off the air. Some this death wish that seems to infect uh, free men and women, particularly. It's almost as if you're if you're living under oppression. You, you you know, like for example, the people that were living under 
uh, the the domination of the Soviet Union in Eastern Europe under uh, under oppression. They thought more clearly about good and evil than they did after they became free. In many cases, it's it's inexplicable to me. Churchill banged his head against the, a wall for years because of this tendency of his compatriots to want to explain away and and not take Hitler's words to mean exactly. Uh, what what they uh, what what they said? He, you, you, I mean, I I don't want to go back there because there's plenty of say, plenty of examples here right now. Um, Tom, I, look, I'm sure there's a, a bunch of nice people that live in Gaza. I guess twenty thousand of them come to work every day in in Israel, or at least they were. And uh, the big complaint was they had to wait in line uh, to be checked. Oh, the horror! Well, why why did they have to wait in line? Unlike at our border, uh, to be checked. <laughs> well, because uh, because th- there are people trying to get into Israel that want to kill Israelis. So that's why, Mister uh, and Mrs. Gazian, you have to wait in line every morning to be checked. That's not a problem you have with Israel. That has that's a problem you have with your Hamas neighbor. Uh, yeah, Tom, I've seen over the years multiple polls uh, out of Gaza. Uh, I mean, dozens and dozens of them on a host of subjects. Uh, I'm not finding in those polls a big uh, constitutional Republican republic movement among the people of Gaza. Their attitudes on women on women's rights, on the nature of man, on constitutional freedoms, uh, on religious pluralism, on whether you can beat your wife or your children, uh, on Jews. They, they, their attitudes stink. I mean, they're, they're, they're as bad as, a, as an Ivy League university campus in America. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, so I, I'm sorry for their suffering, but but look, the idea that this this is a seething population that if only they could, they would throw Hamas off of them. I see no evidence of that. They elected Hamas. They celebrate Hamas after the initial penetration of the Gaza barrier. Hundreds now Israeli intelligence says up to fifteen hundred Hamas terrorists breached. But among those 1,500 were untold hundreds, if not thousands more, who just wanted to get into the act of killing Jews. Not necessarily Hamas-trained terrorists. Average, everyday Gazans that, according to one Fox News analyst, are as anxious as anyone to throw off the totalitarian yoke of Hamas rule. Now, Joe Biden on Tuesday issued a speech, the best speech of his presidency, which is almost like saying he's the tallest kid in the second grade, but it had some excellent moral outrage in it. Okay, that's great. But what is moral outrage? It's, It's rhetoric. It's words. What about policy? Unlike a great speech, policy is about specifics about details about what we here in Israel would call tachlis. And while people zeroed in on Biden's, you know, very visceral and emotional condemnation of these unspeakable atrocities, there was an entire part of that speech, Gary. I'm sure you picked up on it, but I bet I bet a lot of Israel. I bet a lot of folks who listened, including Jews who thought or who are over the moon with excitement that he finally said something positive, missed. And this is the quote. I just got off the phone with, and then he mumbles, presumably Netanyahu's name. I couldn't detect it. We discussed how democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger when we act according to the rule of law. Terrorists purposefully target civilians, but we uphold the rule of law. The laws of war. I caught it. Right? I caught it Now, behind that language... 
It's the same message as always. Israel has to take out Hamas. Israel has every right to defend itself. But you better not hurt anybody in the process. Well, you know, uh, Tom, this would be um, uh, outrageous if it wasn't so um, immoral. Uh, but it, again, it's a, it's a sickness in the West, right? I mean, th- th- this is how we uh, conducted ourselves when we went into Iraq. In, in many ways, when we went into Afghanistan, it's the way in many ways we fought the Vietnam War. We have not won outright uh, and permanently a war since World War II. And we won World War II precisely because we did not conduct the war uh, on the lecture, on the basis of the lecture points of Biden's remarks. The men that were landed on the beaches of Normandy were told to kill anything that was in front of them and keep doing it until they secured the beach. In the days leading up to the landing, we bombed the Hades out of the area. The weather was bad. The the Germans were ensconced in French homes on French land. It was occupied France. A lot of Frenchmen died during that bombing, preparing the way for D-Day. A lot of French homes were destroyed. And you know what was so astonishing, Tom? Not only did nobody call it a war crime, the French people were happy as Hades that we were coming. They didn't it wouldn't even cross their mind to go, oh, you know, you need to rebuild my house. Uh, you know, I had a pretty good relationship with the Germans staying at my house. I, we're, we're, it's insanity. Bernie Sanders, no doubt from his air-conditioned office on Capitol Hill today, uh, went, went full-blown uh, lecturing Israel. Uh, for you know, cutting off the water to Gaza and uh, cutting off uh, electricity and basically saying, you know, uh, Hamas c- uh, committed war crimes, uh, decapitating babies and raping Israeli women. Uh, so we can't commit war crimes in response, turning off the lights and the water supply. Um, you know, I don't know whether Bernie regularly attends synagogue. I, I'm going to make a wild guess. He doesn't. But if if he doesn't have a regular synagogue, I'm begging the synagogues of Massachusetts to call him today and invite him to join their synagogue so that later today they can vote him out. He he his comments used a phrase that is almost Pavlovian, almost like a Tourette syndrome response, that if you examine it for more than six nanoseconds, you will realize the preposterousness of it. He hopes that Israel's response is measured and, quote-unquote, proportionate. Proportionate. Does That means equal, the same, not in excess of. So does that mean Israel should decapitate babies, should shoot up? Nurseries should rape the corpses of dismembered uh, 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 women who've already been murdered, that they should shoot up nursing homes. That's what he's suggesting without even realizing the stupidity of his own language. Hamas transitioned over the course of the past, I don't know, 20 years from just your run-of-the-mill neighborhood terror group that liked murdering Jews into a well-trained guerrilla force like like ISIS. Now, Israel had been, you know, conditioned for the past 15 years to expect these small hit-and-run raids. It was never expecting an actual invasion. Well, I got news for folks. This was not a hit-and-run raid. Hamas didn't come just to attack. They came to occupy to take over and hold the communities it invaded after murdering there was every single person in it. One town, Kibbutz Be'eri, which is in the south, a town of six or 700 people, 220 murdered. One third of the town murdered. They brought in, and God knows how, heavy firepower, some of its best-trained jihadists, not just, to ta- not just to attack and to murder, but to hold, to fortify, and to, you know, keep hold of these areas. What 
you know, we've witnessed over the past, I don't even know what it is now, five or six days, is the first stage of this plan to destroy Israel and to murder every Jew in it. Um, but obviously, that won't succeed. It won't happen. And they'll be the ones who are destroyed. But today alone, Gary, and it's just a little after 5 p.m. local time, there have been funerals for 49 police officers. They've identified 229 dead soldiers. Every home, every house with a male or female between the ages of 18 and for minutes in the 50s for reserve duty and the women that women don't necessarily do reserve duty, there, there is a terror, not of a bomb, not of a rocket. The terror, Gary, is for a knock on the door. That's the terror, the knock on to, the door. To tell them that they've lost somebody? Correct. Or, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if we... Uh, talked about this on Monday, Tom, but, and, and I, I hope I'm not saying anything that's offensive, but um, yeah, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind is that for a number of hours on Saturday, uh, thousands of Israelis were all in their own way uh, and Frank again. They were hiding. They were hiding in dumpsters, in drainage dishes, under beds, under corpses, because they knew people that intended to kill them were in control of their house, their street, their neighborhood. And after all that has been done for never again, for this brief day, and it must have seemed like an eternity, they were Anne Frank in that attic wondering whether she would be safe or not. I'm also struck, Tom, that um, Israel almost, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but Israel, it, according to some, was almost on the verge of a civil war when international pressure and American pressure and, uh, and, and perhaps frustration by the Israeli government itself led them to withdrawal from Gaza in 2005. And as I know you remember, it's not only that every uh, living Israeli had to leave Gaza, uh, the dead Israelis in Gaza buried there had to be evacuated too. Because the monsters that we tell our children are not under their beds and in their closets but the world will soon and does tell them there are monsters and they're everywhere. The monsters would have desecrated the bones of uh, dead Israelis if that's all they could get their hands on. So everybody had the same point. If we wanted peace there, the Israelis, the Jews had to get out of Gaza. So what happened this week? Gaza came into Israel and dragged the Israelis back into Gaza. Now, there's a circle of your rationality that it's hard to get your arms around. <laughs> you know, Israel, like America to an extent, has always treated, you know, these terrorist crimes as relevant. But the worldview that stood behind it, that these actions were premised upon, were regarded either as irrelevant or contrary to their ideology itself. This is a, an approach to terrorism that is absolutely necessary if you're going to avoid dealing with the, the beliefs, the jihadist beliefs, the Islamist beliefs that motivate these monsters to do what they do. Every time... You know, a government official or spokesman anywhere says that, they, well, these are terrorist acts and we condemn them, but they have nothing to do with Islam. They have nothing to do with Islam. Um, these false notions, Gary, that there are, you know, moderate and extremist terrorists, that PLO terrorists are more moderate than Hamas terrorists or Hezbollah terrorists are, are just basically reacting. They're doing the same thing that we did after 9-11. Rather than advancing their beliefs, they make it impossible to um, 
a, a better predict what will happen the next time. Now, there's something, and no one's really talked about this because we're still in the fog of war and Israelis are still utterly shell-shocked. But there's a connection between this Jew hatred, this anti-Jew demonization, and the apocalyptic end times visions of the Islamic caliphate that they firmly believe is going to come to conquer the world. The contemporary Iranian vision or version of this apocalypse, and, you know, I know eyes might be glazing over, but this is fundamental because yeah, Iran- no, but for folks, let me just j- jump in, Tom, and say, uh, if if uh, you're only listening to Byron Rose, usually with one ear while you're doing other things, you, you need to listen to this because, Tom, as you're as you know, th- there are people at the highest levels of our Pentagon and in the State Department and the American foreign policy in, uh, establishment who, because they tend to be secular people, do not understand this at all. They have no concept that people can be motivated by what you're going to describe here and and not being able to understand that they're always caught by surprise about what these people do because there's a and it's it's natural the human brain the normal human brain can't process like this but the current the contemporary iranian version of the apocalypse and that's what drives these people because they're iranian Agents, they're arms of the Iranian government. The emphasis is on what they call Imam Izamari, or the Lord of Times. In other words, the Christian equivalent, God forbid, that's a... It's a disgraceful analogy even to point to, but no, just but for... It's Messiah. It's exactly Messiah. right, the Messiah. The battle against the Jews has now, and is now... Uh, the integral part of this perspective in the eyes of these people, the leadership in Iran, the, the, the military complex of Iran, Jews now represent the diabolical forces of corruption that must be vanquished in order to establish Allah's kingdom on earth. The Hamas charter about implementing Allah's promise and annihilating the Jews are as genocidal in their implications as the rhetoric of the current Iranian leadership. It's exactly the same. The language of mass murder, which is shared by virtually all of the Islamic political establishment, all of it, anywhere in the world, the center of bin Laden's universe is the radical nihilist teaching The purpose of life is to seek death. Let me repeat that. The purpose of life is to seek death. That all the comforts of this world, all the pleasures, all the joys must be voluntarily surrendered in order to spread the faith, to grow the religion through martyrdom, through the eternal battle against what they call the kafir, which is... The apostate epitomized by the Jew. This is a a, a, a form of, of Nazi Islamist fascist, fascism that's spreading. It's a cult of death. It's it's an addiction to destruction and revenge. It's it's a, a culture that promises to. Pay, these are their words, not mine. Their promises are to paint the world blood red. Bl- Paint the world red, symbolizing the blood they spilled to achieve their messianic, redemptive vision. That's it. Uh, in in uh, I, I know I know just enough time to be dangerous, so you, I'll count on you as usual to correct me. But the the Iranian uh, government is is so committed to this ideology. Um, I believe I'm correct that there's a, a specific place in Iran, and I think it might be a well or <laughs> some sort of a body of water, where they believe, according to their interpretation of their scriptures, that uh, that the, the Islamic Messiah will appear there. He will come out of that well or that area, and, and they will be able to tell for certain that it's him because the first thing he will proceed to do is to slaughter 
the Christians and the Jews. They've even built a major highway to this place, which is out in the middle of nowhere, because everybody's going to want to go there when he appears. So they they thought ahead. They want to make sure their infrastructure uh, could support it. So they they've uh, they, they've made the plan so that that uh, this this will happen. Um, if God forbid uh, something happened to Israel, I mean, even worse than this, Tom. Um, uh, if Israel was wiped off the face of the earth, or if it was laid so low that uh, you know it was occupied, or or whatever, there there are millions of Muslims around the world who kind of believe in in this concept we're talking about. But if they saw Israel uh, plowed under, they would see it as a fulfillment of their scriptures and a sign that the time was near that their Messiah, we would have a worldwide Islamic frenzy if anything happened to Israel. It wouldn't be, it it would make, this is why I say people, you know, people always say, oh, without Israel, uh, without America, Israel would be doomed. It's the other way around. Israel's the tip of the spear. If something happens to Israel, America is going to find itself, I believe, Tom, with an uprising even here in the United States. Uh, so it matters what people who follow various faiths say and think. Uh, and this is, uh, this is bonkers. Um, you know, Iran, I, I believe Iran sent, um, three letters to George W. Bush um, after 9-11. Maybe it was Osama bin Laden. uh, No, it was was Ahmadinejad. You're absolutely right. It was the president of Iran. uh, Right, right, right. Thank you. Yeah. And and the letters basically said... um, Remember him? He was was a sweetheart, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you still have a chance, America. You still have hope, Mr. President. Uh, your, your, your salvation is very clear. You can get out of what's coming to, for you very simply. You just have to renounce your faith and, and bow to Islam. And, and it's all over. It's over then. You'll, you'll be saved. You'll, you're, you're fine. The, this is the same thing that the guy that was imprisoned in, um, I believe it might have been Australia or Indonesia. He he was one of the guys responsible for blowing up a nightclub that a lot of um, Australians in Bali, Indonesia, to, right? Young Australians, yeah, in Bali, right? And when he got out of prison, I have, how in the heck did that happen? <laughs> you get out of prison when they got out of prison. Reporters said to him, um, "Well, what would you say to the people?" Uh, that are furious that you're getting out of prison. And his answer was, well, what I would say to them is they still have time to accept uh, Allah. Uh, Or the same will happen to them that happened at the nightclub. This is not a minor view. This is not held by, you know, uh, a number of people that would fit in a small insane asylum. This is a view that is held by millions of people. Um, Tom, it is very telling to me uh, that in in all these Western cities, um, you know, in New York, in Los Angeles, in Chicago, in places in Florida, in Paris, and in London, uh, the crowds did not chant death to the Israelis. They chanted death to the Jews. It's not just an Israeli thing. They don't hate Israeli because of Israel's foreign policy. They hate Israel because it is the only nation of the Jews. And it tends to try to defend Jews. And these people certainly want to kill Israelis because that's half the world's Jewish population. But they want them all dead. There is just no question about that. And again, if they end up succeeding in Israel... They will come full blast for the Jews of New York. There is 
again, this is uh, in Islamist uh, eschatology, series of religious beliefs that we never hear about. We're never taught about. Everything is transactional in our media and in Israel's media to an extent. But we just mentioned this uh, lovely, wonderful fellow, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, who was the Iranian president who held his infamous Holocaust denial conferences in Tehran while promising uh, a second Holocaust. His argument was, and this is now Iranian theology, this is, this is uh, as we would say, Torah, this is, this is Iranian Bible, that doom is now inevitable. All the precedents for the destruction of Israel. He pointed to the collapse of the Soviet Union, the fall of the Shah, the fall of Saddam Hussein, the fall of, you know, all of the enemies of Iran, and the vanquishing of, quote-unquote, the Zionist entity would be just unbelievably huge for Iranian power and prestige. They've been strengthened immeasurably by these attacks. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that Americans absolutely must not only put their arms around, they must internalize to the depths of their soul. This poisoned legacy has now been passed on to a new and virulently violent uh, uh nation, world, universe of warriors of this Muslim apocalypse. And their scenario that seeks the end of Jewry, the murder of every Jew, is irreverably, irrevocably connected with the, the penultimate goal, which is the destruction of America and the decline of the West to dimmy status, which is a secondary a citizenship status to a world of the Ummah, to a world where Islamism is the dominant and only uh, moral force in the universe. That's what's at stake. It's, it's from the depths of their soul. Al-Azhar University in Cairo, the oldest, some would argue, the oldest actual university of any kind in the world, certainly the oldest in the Muslim world, has an entire, not a department, a series of departments. This is in Egypt, teaching about uh, this this Islamist eschatology of uh, not just the end of, well, the end of times literally for anyone who is not part of that process. This is what they seek. You know, these Hamas murderers that Fox News continues to insist calling militants um, have gambled, and it's been a good bet that when you hide behind a civilian, uh, they'd survive any Israeli retaliation. But you know, after enough bombs have been dropped and the media starts its massive pressure and accusing Israel of devastating Gaza and killing civilians, Biden's going to threaten to cut off support. Uh, this is the way it's played out for how long, Gary? This is the way it's been played out for 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I know this is really dangerous territory, but uh, – in addition to everything else, and now look, I, we we both believe that there are uh, Muslim uh, men and women and children who are capable and do live side by side in peace with their neighbors. And I've been encouraged to see um, in in uh, the Maryland suburbs, in uh, some places in Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, Muslim parents joining Christian parents and parents of other faiths and no faith who don't want their children taught explicit information on human sexuality and certainly don't want that explicit information to be about the uh, alphabet soup people, LGBTQ+, whatever. Uh, and, and they've joined together to protest at school board meetings and uh, – uh, and to complain to schools and so forth, and I hope we'll see more of that. But but there are many people in the Islamic world that buy into some version of this. And and the the thing I was getting ready to mention is, for some reason that I haven't fully discerned, after nine eleven, we have had the uh, the, the the most uh, massive immigration of Muslims into America in the entire history of the country. 
I mean, you would have thought it would have been the exact opposite. <laughs> but it no. I, I mean, I, it appears to have been a public policy choice made by America's elites that the best thing to do when you're being attacked by radical Islamists is be sure you bring more Muslims into America. It makes absolutely no sense to me. There, uh, and I, I, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say the sense that is to be made is of a very powerful self-destructive gene, which we're unable to shut off somehow in the West. Now think about what, think about what Hamas did. This was more than simply the greatest massacre since the Holocaust. They attempted to, and did, they, there were several communities, Gary. These aren't West Bank communities. These aren't quote-unquote settlements. These are Israeli communities in the south. I don't know if you've ever been down there. It's lovely down there. It's very nice. These agricultural, you know, kibbutzim um, that um, are very... Now, is this, these are mostly secular... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and by Israeli standards, these would be... These are the people that went to the demonstrations. The right? These were the yeah. people that went to... And you get all this wonderful organic food and sustainable, you know, no plastics. Well, a lot of these communities now, three of them, have been depopulated. Now, some of them are going to rebuild, but others are going to leave. And Hamas is celebrating, as we speak, these actions, these departures, as some kind of vindication of its strategy that if we just keep terrorizing all the Jews, if we keep terrorizing them in more and pl- more places, those that were unable to murder will leave, and then we can take over. That's the whole... This wasn't a one-off. I, I yeah, saw yeah. something from... And I, I'll mention his name only because I have tremendous respect for him. He's a true warrior, a true hero. He was the very last official, the very last person awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Trump, and that's General Jack Keane, who's brilliant, who I saw on Fox saying that, that the people of Gaza now have an opportunity to throw off the shackles of Hamas totalitarianism and cooperate with Israelis. And Jack Keane, I love you. I do. I'm scratching my head thinking... How can someone so brilliant and so wonderful and so smart be so naive? That, that's insane, Gary. They hate us. They hate us. Hamas is yeah. not in power by accident. Yeah, you know, Tom, and, and um, you know, there, good grief, there's so many things to say. You, you know, um, a lot of people say um, in the immigration debate, well, you know, I, I don't want people coming into the country illegally. But by the way, just a little side comment. You know, the flags of Hamas and Hezbollah have been found at the border for the last three years. And ISIS flags. Yep. Right. Right. Just a little sidebar there. Um, that people will say, well, I'm, I'm against illegal people coming into the country, but I'm all for, you know, legal immigration and legal immigrants, uh, learn more, uh, about our history and, um, they, they, they love us more than many of our own native born children are. Well, you know, I have met many people that fit that description. Often in my speeches, somebody will come up that, got out of Cuba under Castro or uh, got out of, you know, even North Korea and came to the United States legally, et et cetera. But some that have come here legally have been shocked to find out how cavalier we are in making sure that the people we're allowing in are people we would want in a constitutional republic. Um, the, the, there is no, you know, we don't even do a good job in my view of, of making sure they're not linked in some way to, you know, outright radicalism or outright violence in the countries they're coming from, but we do zero, nothing, zilch, nada to find out whether they have a mindset that is inconsistent with freedom 
and a constitutional republic. Gary, we don't know how. It's not within our it's not within our mental capacity to understand. We naturally, instinctively uh, deflect from any possibility to think that some people are worse than animals. Some people worship death. That was the whole, you know, point of this um, Islamist theology that we were just speaking about. This, uh, the purpose of the universe, the purpose of life, is to seek death. That that everything we enjoy in the world, we have to surrender. We have to sacrifice so that we can spread the faith by becoming martyrs. And how do you become a martyr? By murdering innocents. That is the twisted. It's not even twisted. It's demonic. And, you know, our uh, bureaucrats at the State Department or Homeland Security, whoever make these decisions, do you think they think about that? Do you think they even remotely understand what they're dealing with they don't do they have weapons are they on the terror watch list um do they yeah i mean and in, in, in their spare time they go to cocktail parties where they sit around they stand around and periodically laugh at uh, orthodox jews and orthodox christians right yeah. i mean they they hold in disdain people that believe myths uh as they see them uh, and so they can't possibly understand that it might be motivating the people that they're trying to, through diplomacy, to work out a uh, uh, some sort of agreement with or whatever. Uh, Tom, you're – Can I interject just one, 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 one second yeah. and I'll let you – twice yesterday, twice, Tony Blinken, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, says that – and he, uses, he used this phrase three times in his one briefing – Israelis and until Israelis and Palestinians, quote, settle their differences, settle their differences, settle their settle their differences. The only way to settle their difference is for one side to obliterate the other, whether it's them seeking to destroy us in our beds or us seeking to destroy those who seek our destruction. This isn't settling our differences is when Gary and I argue about whether we're Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) No, settling our differences is when you and I argue about whether or not, you know, you picked up. When Carol gave you a list to go to the store and you picked up the wrong stuff, that's yeah. a settlement of differences. Go back, well, see, replace this, this with I the. I don't go to the store to pick up anything. <laughs> I want to avoid this. No, it's not funny. I'm laughing. It's just, it's, it's so yeah, sick. It's, it's insane. And, you know, this phrase, you know, obviously this is not going to be settled until we have two nations living in peace and harmony mm. and next to each other. How how in Hades do you live next to a group of people that produces these kinds of monsters? That it, it's absurd. I anyway, Tom, there was a um a story uh, fairly evenly written or well written and as factually written in the Washington Post yesterday in the first 5 pages. The headline unfortunately was war stirs tension in schools. It's not really a, an article about tensions. It, it, the, the big thrust of the article is that um, uh, American Jews on the campuses of some of the finest universities in America uh, are afraid right now because they have seen their fellow students who have been indoctrinated by Marxist professors – or their fellow students who have come from the countries that we've been discussing today, Tom, uh, putting out statements condemning Israel and supporting what Hamas did last week. They've seen the presidents of their universities issue statements that are moral pornography. Um, and they have gotten anonymous threats, things written on the doors of their dorms. And they are now worried that somebody at Harvard or Vanderbilt or University of Pennsylvania might try to do to them what is being done to Israelis. 
Uh, this is so sickening, I can barely talk about it. At Vanderbilt University, the chancellor, Daniel Giermer, released a statement expressing heartbreak. This is in the aftermath of the attack. The information was already out. This was an attack on civilians. Women were raped. Women's bodies were desecrated. Children were killed. People were, uh, babies were uh, killed in nurseries. He issued a statement expressing heartbreak over violence in the region. That's a quote. Before pointing to, quote, the deeply layered and nuanced complexity of what had happened. That statement, Tom, stayed up on the university's website for three days. For three days. At, um, at Harvard. Uh, I'm, I'm not interjecting because I am speechless. I'm sitting yeah. here in Israel. This is news to me. I've been obviously focused 100% on domestic stuff here, uh, staying alive. I, I didn't hear that, and I want to. I'm sick to my stomach. Yeah. 31 student organizations at Harvard uh, signed a statement not expressing ambivalence, a full-throated defense of Hamas. 31 student organizations. Uh, Larry Summers, who used to be the president of Harvard, said, I have never felt more alienated from an institution that I love. At Penn State just a few weeks ago, or University of Pennsylvania just a few weeks ago, uh, one of uh, uh, President Biden's uh, favorite universities where he had his Penn Center, uh, they got into controversy a few weeks ago when they hosted a, uh, a cultural celebration of uh, Palestinian art and music and traditions. And the people they invited to this event were people with long histories of raw, unmitigated hatred of Jews. Now, the critics in many cases, Tom, didn't tell them not to have the event, although I did. I said, it's disgusting that you're even having this event. I urged the president to pick up, President Biden, to pick up the phone. He's got so many contacts at the University of Pennsylvania and maybe tell them that's a bad idea. I mean, that's a campus, you know, where my, you know, uh, what do they call minor aggressions or micro, uh, micro, micro, micro aggressions are you get the book thrown at you. If you say build a wall. Man, you, you get the book that marriage should be between a man and a woman. Holy cow, re-education camp for you. But they host a cultural festival celebrating Palestinian art and culture. And, and the, most of the critics said, okay, in the name of free speech, you can do that. But you need to make a statement, school administration. You need to make a statement that the views of some of the people attending this event are beyond the pale. And you're only allowing it in the interest of free speech. And because you're so committed to free speech, you will now allow conservatives to speak on campus. Can you, <laughs> Good can, luck with that. Can you, right? um, can you imagine? It's not imaginable because it, it never happened, couldn't have happened. During the Holocaust, uh, in the United States, or in, uh, well, Europe was occupied by the Nazis, but in the United States... When we knew damn well what was going on, we didn't know the specifics of, of, of Sobibor versus Theresienstadt versus Matthausen, but we knew damn well what was going on. Can you imagine thousands of Americans in the middle of that war demonstrating for Nazis? Yeah. Celebrating... Celebrating Nazis, celebrating mass murder. These people, I will say this, are Nazis. That's not meant to be provocative. It's not to, meant to be hyperbolic. The only difference between these people and Nazis is not 
objectives. It's not goals. It's capability. That's the only difference. The Nazis were capable of murdering six million Jews. These people have every desire and every will to murder every living Jew. They just yet don't have the capability. That's all it is. That's the only difference. Now, from a secular perspective, the Hamas invasion, it baffles all the experts. They just can't understand it. But there's something to understand that they can't understand because they're secular, right? This attack was leveled on Simchat Torah, which is the joyous end of the Jewish High Holy Day season. It's the final day. It marks um, the end of the reading of the Bible, and we go back to Genesis 1 and start it all over again. It's a day of joyous celebration. It's... uh, It's the favorite Jewish day of the year. It's the most joyous, happy day of the year. It makes perfect sense, right? Because this wasn't a terror attack, but this was an invasion meant to move this Islamic uh, messianic vision of reconquering Israel, of driving out the Jews, of colonizing their towns after they kill everybody in there, after taking captives for ransom, taking others for slaves. That's the entire purpose. Now, let's not forget, again, there is almost a unanimous view in our media, and even in Israel, even here, for instance, that the purpose of this hostage-taking was for ransom. And yes, there will be ransom payments, but don't forget a central element of this Islamist ideology is to take kafirs or heretics or apostates, i.e. Jews, to use as sex slaves, to enslave them. That, I am convinced, will happen to some of these. God, you know, prevent it from being. But I've not heard a syllable from anybody that this wasn't just a hostage-taking operation, but it was a sex slave uh, operation because sex slavery is a high goal and purpose. A captive in war is a slave of his captor, her captor, because it's women that they want for slaves. Yeah, I, I saw, I did see, um, you're right, nobody has, has talked about this, you know, as a part of the critique. I I saw a, an interrogation of one of these people where he told the interrogator, the Israeli interrogator, uh, well, uh, we were taking the women because we wanted to have our way with them, uh, which is, you know, a, a, a sort of euphemistic way of saying what their intentions were. Uh, you know, Tom, maybe we, uh, you know, to, to be upbeat about this, this, what I've been describing on American university campuses is so horrendous that it has caused a backlash by people that maybe previously uh, have been a little confused themselves. And, and the perfect example, again, is at the University of Pennsylvania, who, by, by the way, the president of the university is a woman, and she spent a good bit of last week and this week uh, posting online um, various statements in celebration of Indigenous Peoples Day. That's what she was doing while the whole world was focusing on the slaughter in Israel. A president of a major university. It's rather I'm so proud. No, I was going to say it's rather ironic since the the ultimate indigenous people are the Jews in the land of Israel. Yeah, but she probably doesn't believe that. You know. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a guy named Mark Rowan. He's the chief executive officer of Apollo Global Management and a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, and he is urging alumni to halt donations to the school until the president and her uh, number two resign. Now, this, Tom, this is a, we don't have time, but this is a huge story. It's not getting the attention it deserves. He's the chairman of a board, not the, the, the big board of directors, but he is chairman of a board at the University of Pennsylvania. And 
he put out an open letter that has been signed by 4,000 fairly important people that have graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. Three others on that list are people that are also on boards at the University of Pennsylvania. And the university is suggesting they need to resign because they put this letter out. They, they have violated the camaraderie that should be expected of people that are part of the university community. He's telling people this. The, he, he said, look, uh, I, I obviously know the president of the university. I don't believe she's uh, an anti-Semite. I, I think she's a moral coward. She's afraid. She can't make moral decisions. She's afraid of what the consequences might be to her. It's too risky, might risk her physically. It might risk the university having trouble. She's just incapable of making a moral decision. Well, you can't have people that don't understand the need for moral decisions in charge of our universities. That's how terrorism pays. That's how terrorism wins, because it terrorizes otherwise good people into silence or into... Uh, subjugation voluntarily. And I think it's great. I just wonder how long it's going to last. One final repost before we have to sign off. Joe Biden's speech, which everybody in the Jewish world is is uh, ecstatic about. Imagine giving an emotional, passionate speech, which Biden's was well written, obviously, by somebody else describing the horrors and the outrages of the Holocaust without ever once mentioning Nazis, without ever once mentioning Hitler, without ever once mentioning what it was and who it was that was behind the atrocities President Biden so eloquently uh, described. How do you give a speech about the Holocaust without mentioning Nazis. He didn't mention the Nazi element in this equation once. And that Nazi element is the Islamic Republic of Iran. Iran, Iran, Iran. That is the head of the snake. He never mentioned them once. Well, Tom, the um, uh, in the speech, you know, he had a very dramatic moment for him uh, where he said, and to those in the region that uh, might be tempted to take advantage of this situation. I have one word. Don't. <laughs> Don't. And of course, within hours, other Iranian proxies were shooting missiles into Israel. Joe Biden saying don't to other powers in the region has about as much chance of influencing anybody's decision as I have of dunking a basketball. You know, when Donald Trump wanted to make a message to the Taliban about uh, during the time when the administration was doing pre-planning on the, what everybody agreed would be the withdrawal from Afghanistan, he knew that it would be a, a period of time where we would be very vulnerable. Our soldiers, re, you know, sur retreats are always very dangerous. People underestimate that. He um, he made sure the Taliban leaders uh, knew that we knew where their families lived. And he said, do not harm a hair on the head of a U.S. soldier in Afghanistan. And they knew what was going to happen if they did. This president has no credibility on anything. And it breaks my heart that as each day the world gets more dangerous, we have the weakest president in American history, modern American history, at the, at the helm. Stolen elections have consequences. Oh, God. Um, well, this is, uh, we went a little bit over, but hopefully the radio gods will forgive us. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Spotify, um, Apple iTunes, Google Play, you name it. 
We're on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125 on the weekends. Our podcast, wherever you get it, make sure you subscribe, you hit the like button, and you pass it on to uh, friends and family. That's going to wrap it up. I'm in uh, in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. Gary's in Washington. And both stay locations, safe, Tom. Both stay locations, safe, stay safe. Both locations are targets. Make no mistake. I'm not trying to frighten you, Bauer. You, you're not someone who can be frightened. Don't think... Don't think for a second that this is us here alone. Now, Friday's supposed to be a big day, Tom. That's what uh, numerous groups are calling Muslims all over the world, uh, certainly internally in Israel, but all over the world uh, to make Friday a big day. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, Tom, I, I know you do this anyway, but please tell any Israeli you run into that whatever comfort it is, uh, there are millions of American Christians uh, praying for them, uh, millions of Americans of other faiths praying for them. As Pastor Hagee often says, if a circle is to be drawn uh, by Hamas or anybody else, then draw that circle around Christians and Jews because we will stand together until this evil is defeated. Amen. Amen. And we, uh, everybody here needs those prayers, depends upon those prayers. And if it wasn't for you and the likes of you, who knows where we'd be? Who knows where we'd be? God bless you, my friend. We'll talk uh, in, a, in a couple days, if not sooner. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.